Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Welcome to the podcast that, if you ignore history and context, was was pretty good in the second half. Pretty pretty good indeed. Um, time to do a little bit of stargazing. Mark, hello. How you doing, Wes? Really, just I jumped right into it tonight. Much much like the stars against Vegas, that we're, we're starting strong. We're, we're pinching from the point and we're covering <laughs> back back with our forwards. I like it. You know, you gotta you gotta shake things up. We got some. You know, you're you're back in the lineup. Um, you know, we, we've got the lines in a more natural place. All is, all is, is all is, I think we'll leave it there. I don't, I don't know that it's well or, or not well. It's well, we're going to get into that. <laughs> well, if I, if I'm back in the lineup, let me be Robertson and not Como. How about that? There you go. There you go. Oh man. It is, it is another day in stars land. So we're we're gonna talk, you know. We're we're in the season. There's not much, not much surprise in run of show. There's a couple of games to talk about. There's there's Columbus, and then there's last night's tilt against the Vegas Golden Knights, and and some some goings on injury wise in the team, and just just some stuff, just some stuff to muddle through. Uh, we're gonna do our best to break it all down and, and bring some sense into it. And, and I'm gonna start with just one of those those early line rush type questions, Mark and. Where emotionally, one to ten, right? Ten being good, one being not. Where are you right now relative to the stars? Oh, you know, I'm I'm kind of a glass half full guy, so I'd go maybe six. There's there's just so much out there that can still go either way. Wow, six. That's that's higher than I thought. I was I was gonna make a quip about being a five and then I made the mistake of looking through the previous results and realized that Dallas is still yet to win a game in, in regulation. And I think, you know, I'm not horribly horrified, but I you know, I, I think I'm gonna downgrade myself to put myself at a solid four right now relative to the start of the season. More more bad than good, but not um not wheels off hopelessness yet. Yeah, and that's fair. I I just kind of look at it and say, you know, we we played seven games. Uh, five of the first seven have been on the road. Um, yeah, you know, we were missing Robertson, which I think is uh, messed up the lines a little bit when we were kicking things off. So, and 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 we have seven points after seven games, which uh, isn't going to get you in the playoffs, but it's going to keep you sniffing. And, and that's, I'm glad that you started there because I, I want to start with that question. So you you, you talked about um, getting Robertson back, and this has been something kind of chewing on my brain for a little while. A, a team of of Dallas's expectations this season. Do do you think that it is? It seemed like he provided a jolt last night, provided a jump last night. Do you think the fact that Dallas improves as a result of Robertson's return to the lineup as measure as noticeably as they did, is that more of a are we praising Jason Robertson for his impact or are we frustrated with the Dallas Stars for needing a 22 year old coming back into the lineup to create any kind of semblance of, of offensive thrust? Well, I, I kind of view it. I, I think maybe bonuses uh, chewing out on the bench took a little while to hit. And, and the delayed settled. reaction. I like it. And, yeah. And, and so they came out. Uh, they didn't come out uh, against Columbus with the fire in the belly, but uh, they certainly came out this game ready to go. 
And uh, you know, it's been noted pretty much throughout the uh, throughout the environment here that this was the best game that the Stars have played. Now it had some flaws in it, but uh, no, they they were they were in it from the start. They uh, they were getting quality chances, and the only thing that would really stop you from liking it a lot is the fact that they only made it, scored two goals and they lost. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. So let's let's start there. You know, we, we're warmed up. We're we're in the flow. Let's go ahead and, and think about it this way. So since the last time we podcasted, Dallas has played three games. They played Los Angeles, uh, three to two overtime win. They played Columbus, four four to one, and it could have been worse. And they played Vegas, of course, a three to two um, overtime loss. So to your point, we could look at this one way and say that that of a possible six points, right, Dallas got got three of them. Um, we could look at it another way and say just just in your estimation, right, what what would you it, take the score out of it, right, and just watch the players on the ice. What would you think, based on the way that they played, the record should have been over that stretch? Uh, I would say maybe one, one, and one. Yeah, I, I yeah I, I can see where you're going. So part of why I bring that up, of course, in my opinion, L.A. for for large stretches of that game, and this was I think really to me the the L.A. and we'll get into to context and context and perception here. To me, one of the most frustrating stretches of Dallas Stars hockey I can remember is the bulk of the LA game followed immediately by the capitulation in Columbus, right? Just, and it's an optics deal, right? It's off season expectations, home opener. And for most of the game against Los Angeles, Dallas absolutely lays an egg, right? Manages to get to overtime, manages to get a win. And then in Columbus, somehow you, you would think that, that after a kind of Friday night chastening, they they get to Columbus and, and they're improbably worse. And this time they don't get the fluke tie. They don't get the overtime winner. They get the result they deserve. And those two games were brutal. Am, am I am I wrong? Well, I I'll, I'll go back to how that Columbus game ended up versus how that Columbus game could have ended up. And think of the number of uh, clanks off the iron that we had early on in that game. And and if those go bar in as opposed to bar out, that that game is potentially significantly different. And so uh, you know, some of you know, I'm going to go a little off field here. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I think has absolutely killed us is that the line that we looked at as being our top line, which is really you know Pavelski hints as a pair with whomever. Um, hopefully Robertson, but other people can can fill in as well. Um, they've thrown up a humongous amount of you know, expected goals and have absolutely nothing to show for it. And 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 that that I think is kind of underlying everything. You can say what you want about Ben Sagan and Radulov, and know they have not been very good at all. But the line that that we're looking at as the top line has you know on paper they've looked really good and on the ice they have nothing to show yeah and and this is where we're and it's going to be a theme i i hear you but the other thing that this reminds me of is is and it was a couple seasons ago when i think maybe four seasons ago remember when when tyler sagan led the league in hitting posts and as fans we spent the entire year talking about hey the regression monster is going to come there's going to be he's going to go on a run they they can't go out forever they can't go out forever and then 
just it never happened right I'm and not, then they went out forever <laughs> yeah. so the part of me that there's a part of me that very much wants to wants to agree with you right and and say that that you're right, but for a couple of bounces, they could have been in a much better spot in, in Columbus. And but for a couple of bounces, we're not talking about the the overtime against Vegas, right? And then all of a sudden, they've got an OT win and two regulation wins over the course of a week, and we're having a different chat. And I think in a vacuum, if you just look at this week, I think that's entirely fair. And honestly, you're you're probably right. But but this team has baggage, man. And the part that I'm struggling with is how many how many stretches of hockey, how many bad first periods, how many bad starts, how many times have, have we made the the meme like joke of the Dallas Stars coming into town, making your backup goaltender look like a million bucks, and then talking about how they like the way, you know, they like the way they're playing, they just need to keep at it and nothing ever changes. Yep. And and you know, there's so much out there that, you know, it's not just the team, it's the fans. And, and you know, when, when the things that we've seen before start happening, we just, you know, you, you hang your head and you say, not again, I've been through this before. And, and that's something that as you watch, or at least for me, I have to kind of push my way through and challenge the narrative and say, is that really what I'm seeing here? Or is it at least too early to make that call? Mm. And, and in, for me, it's, it's more of a leap of faith and, and saying, you know, things could be different. Things could be better or even things could be worse. Um, but, you know, we, we went through this a, a while back with the, the whole narrative where Dallas only drafts sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was an error for multiple years and it was true for a while. And, and then you start taking a look at it and you say, well, hold on. There, there's all these short little skilled guys out here that we've seen in the last couple of drafts. Maybe that's a change. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking for things like that and at least challenging my biases. And and so, yeah, I see exactly where you're coming from. And boy, it's really tempting to just fall into it and, and have that be the story for the season. But I'm not there yet. And I, th- I think that's fair. And, and darting over to the standings, I think the the way the season has developed so far bears that out. Right. As we record tonight, um, Dallas is tied for third in the division with Winnipeg uh, and with seven points. And they're three points behind St. Louis and Minnesota that are tied at the top. Of course, big time grain of salt. Dallas has played seven games, sort of the inverse of last season. Right. Dallas has played seven games to get their seven points. Winnipeg has played six. So one game in hand. Minnesota's played six. And then St. Louis has only played five they're perfect five for five so from a strictly you know looking at the divisional standings they're in a fine spot right they can't score they're they're tied with chicago for the the lowest number of goals in their division i know that technically arizona has fewer but i'm starting to wonder if we should consider arizona to really be in in an nhl division at this point given what's what's cracking in the desert right so it's they 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 can't score flip side they're they're only St. Louis has allowed fewer than Dallas's 18 goals and again they've allowed 11 in 5 games so that's that's you know comparable so there's a lot good you know you, you have to think that St. Louis probably cools off a little bit I don't know that Minnesota is going to be an 833 team the entire way right there's their plus 2 goal differential so that that doesn't scream you know pulling away with the division flip side right Colorado sitting at 2 and 4 so you know they're in the mix. I think 
we would like them to be more comfortably so, but this is where that seven game thing comes into play. There's no really, there hasn't been any irreparable standings damage yet. Although, you know, Colorado heats up a little bit, um, you know, maybe Soros starts going on a run. We all have memories of last season, right? They could, they could very quickly find themselves in the lower reaches of the conference if they continue this, you know, point a game pace, right? That's, that's not going to be tenable forever. Right, exactly. And it's, you know, it's the same as the game last night. So, uh, you know, when, when you completely dominate the action, you just soon have a little bit on the scoreboard that reflects that. And if, if you dominate, you're only up one zero. Or if you, you uh, if you're sitting there, you know, ten percent into the season and you're you're middle of the pack, you haven't given yourself any margin for error, and you know that something's going to happen down the line that's going to make you need to play better. And so, if you have a margin for error, you can afford to make a mistake here or there. And at, at a point at a point of game, you have no uh, you you have no margin for error. Yeah, they're they're a week one where you know they they're a good week away from putting themselves in a very very good spot, and they're a bad week away from you know being tangled up with the likes of of Chicago, right? That and that's just not yep. a it's 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 a risky place to be. Um, you know, it's it's a bubble place, and and I think we had all hoped that this would be a team that was much more solidly in the playoff conversation. Although, again, there I, I will say in that one regard, there is time. So, getting into, um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the games, then we'll get to some of the individual performances of those three games: L.A., Columbus, Vegas. Is there any one in particular that you'd like to talk about? Any any big observations standing out? Um, I mean, the, the observation for me, is, and it's perhaps not limited to those three games, but we spent a good part of the summer talking about all of these absolutely miserable and stupid acquisitions that uh, Jim Neal made. And, uh, you know, Glenn Denning and Raffle both have two goals and Holtby's been a stud in net. And, uh, well, let's talk a little we can talk about Ryan Suter, but uh, yeah. you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's at least three out of four have been way above expectation. Yeah, they have. Um, it's been especially Holtby. I mean, him alone is enough to make the entire offseason make sense, given everything else that's going on. And, um, you know, Glenn Denning, I think, has been. I, I I would argue that that maybe he's playing a little bit too much. I think he was almost 14 minutes last game, and he does have two goals. So so there's that. He was he was seeing time last night with Tyler Sagan as his center. Though I wonder how much of that was Glenn Denning's performance versus Sagan's performance building his role. So who knows? But he has been he's done the things that they needed him to do, which which is good. Um, talk to me a little bit about Suter. Where, what is, where are you coming down? So as we, as we record seven games, he's got three assists. Those are his only points. He is, you know, playing about 23 minutes, 23 and a half minutes a night. Um, sitting at about 45, 46% almost Corsi starting 53% of his shifts in the offensive zone. So what, what do you make of, of his start to the tenure in Dallas? Well, now, now you've stolen my question from you. <laughs> so, so, yeah. The, the thing I found unusual is I I have very uh, good memories of things that have happened with every single other defender. And 
Suter is somewhat of a, of a blank to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I it's not like I'm seeing him making mistakes and doing stupid things. Um, it, but it's not like I'm I'm watching him on the offensive end and and seeing him drive a lot of play. And so, in my mind, the jury's still kind of kind of out. I, I I'm I'm withholding judgment, if you will. I think that's fair. I think, and that's a very good way to put it. For me, what stands out is that he is, you know, he spent, you know, Klingberg got hurt, what, a couple minutes into his first game, and Dallas had spent the entire offseason building their defensive core around Suter and Klingberg as a pair. So for me, I think you're right, and part of why I'm withholding a judgment is this is a guy that has a thousand a game, you know, a thousand plus games of experience in the NHL, of which seven are are with Dallas, right? So there there was always going to be an adjustment. Uh, they they helped manage that adjustment by giving him a a real steady partner and a real steady pair all through training training camp, and then that that survived minutes into the season before they blew it up. So it, it's a little bit about you know definitely hold the horses a little bit. I will say. If, if you start looking at, at some of the relative stats to his teammate and, and start looking at PDO, there's nothing that that screams he's secretly amazing and we're just missing it. But yep. there's also nothing that screams danger, danger, danger. Like so far, I think the, the proper way to summarize Suter's contribution is he's come in and he's playing almost 24 good minutes a night for the Dallas Stars. Yep, and, and, and I guess... You know, in my mind, being a, being a, a fairly big fan of our of our seventh defender, uh, you could say the same thing for for Joel Handley, except mm-hmm. you you probably only put him in for fourteen minutes tonight. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's that's um, it's it's the 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 eternal I think Dallas situation is of using their defense. I don't know that this is the guy that they thought they were signing or that they wanted to be signing through seven games. But at the same time, this isn't also the guy that they were scared of, of having signed after seven games. And I think there's certainly, you know, look at last game when he was back with Klingberg, right? I think there is a lot to suggest that this should be given more time to work itself out. Right. Let's see, let's see where it goes. And, you know, it may this this may this may not be a signing that's going to come with, um, you know, front page highlights. This may just be he's going to enable the Dallas Stars transition game defense, et cetera, to function, and fans will just need to be happy with that. Right, and and I mean, we certainly went through something fairly similar early on in the tenure of of Joe Pavelski, where you know it's certainly seven games in there, and, and even almost a full season in. I was going to say, say, oh, this Stars fans bust. are hoping it doesn't take a full season for him to get his legs under him. Yeah, but but uh, you know, sometimes sometimes it takes somebody who's been playing in a different system for a long time uh, longer to find their new spot. And and I'm kind of hoping that's the case with Sue. Me as well. The the one criticism that I do have is Dallas looked so dire on the power play for stretches. I I go back to. Um, I believe, as I as I look at the schedule to jog my memory, I believe it was the game against um, the Rangers where they had, I think, was it five power plays, something like that. And and the one thing I would have liked to see is a little bit more of a contribution there at this early stage. Right, and, and you know, we certainly built up. It's like okay, at the beginning of the season, we have two number one power play units, and and look 
these guys and and really the power play well who's who scored on the power play uh radic fox uh <laughs> and, i mean yeah exactly and and so there was a bunch of build up there and it really hasn't come to fruition yet and i'll i'll lay some of that just on klingberg being gone uh we've never solved the uh the zone entry problems since mm. we uh, since we let Betsa go. There there's some noticeable things that that go back for a while that that need to be there. But um, you know you you take a look at the personnel and we should have a we should have a top ten power play. There's no doubt, probably top five. Yeah. And of course, instead it is as we record this twentieth in the league with a sixteen point seven percent success rate. Uh, and of course, early season blues, right? Right now, uh, Edmonton is clicking at about 43%, which is, I mean, with Connor McDavid, it may not be insane, but uh, you have to well, think that, that you have to think those will come down a little bit, but Dallas has some work to do here. And, and, and again, as we talk about a, a team that has yet to play, you know, with the exception of the Columbus game and an empty netter um, in Boston, right? As for a team that has yet to play more than a one goal game, a percentage point here, a percentage point there on the power play is is the difference between for this team winning and losing. Yep, and uh, with power play, all all you really have to do with a power play is sign is sign Alex Chase, uh, Chase on for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and tell him to go put his stick on the ice in front of the net, and and that would work for any team. Yeah, and and it'll be. What what do you think is what do you think's missing? Have you have you noticed? Do you think that it's just sort of that betting in period and, and players getting to know one another? Or is there is there some tactical adjustment that we just haven't seen yet? I, I think it's zone entries. Uh, plus, I'm not I'm not sure Gurianov's the the best guy in the bumper spot, but yeah, it's a who knows. Right now, if you if you can't get established in the zone, you can't run your power play offense, and we. We spend so much time just kind of running around, going back and, uh, and grabbing the puck from behind our net and trying to get it in again. Yeah, there's the the, the Gurionov thing is is it seems miscast for a guy that's the the shooter more than the bumper. But yeah, it's it's they go. They, it seems like they spend an awful lot of time running into brick walls and then picking the puck out of their defensive zone, doesn't it? Yep. Yep, it's extremely frustrating. You know, it's a, it's like, who would have thought we'd be looking back at the days of the of the infamous drop passes, the glory days? I mean, it would it worked. It was, a, it was certainly more so than now. Um, yep. Any any you know other acquisitions? I think we've we've talked a lot about Holtby and the impact that he's had. Um, have you been? Have, how impressed have you been by his? you know, kind of quick adaptation to the crease in, in Dallas? I mean, I, I, I'll i argue up and down that, you know, bring in a good goalie and he'll succeed in the system. We're, we're defense forward. Uh, you know, if, if, if you bring in a goaltender who, who is halfway decent, they're going to put up great numbers. The thing I like about Holpe is that he maintains calm and, uh, and, and just kind of goes about his business. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that I think that the team uses that and they, they that that's good for this group. Um, I think they, it's, 
it's good for this group. And I think as well, it's good for this group in light of last year. We've talked about, yes, the future is, is you know, Neutron is, is supernova bright with Jake Ottinger. And on the balance, he had a very good season. But there were absolutely moments of inconsistency. Uh, you could say the same thing about Hudobin as well. And there there is, I think, at the goaltending position for me, right, it's 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 a weird and and oversimplification, but I think that you would rather have a consistent player than a mercurial player, even if even if the mercurial player is capable of greatness, right? You'd rather have a guy that is good all the time than a guy that is great some of the time at the goaltending position in the NHL. Right, and, and the way the defense is set up, where we're pushing play to the outside mm-hmm. and accepting the shots from the points, what you really need is somebody who's going to have have a high save percentage on the uh, on the medium and the and the somewhat easy shot attempts. You know, yeah, the you, fact that we'll we'll allow thirty five shots a game, um, but most of them uh, from spots where you don't expect a whole lot of goals should fit right in with somebody like Holtby. Yeah, that, that's I think that's a great point. Just don't get yourself in trouble. And some of the few moments of, of angst and of pain that he's had have been in instances where it, it happened sort of too quickly for the position ality to develop, thinking about that first goal in Columbus or, you know, a couple rebounds got away from him. But but by and large, he's been much more than I think that most of us expected and certainly has been a big part of Dallas having, you know, seven points so far this season as opposed to two or three. Right, and and if you take a look at, at some of the stuff like you know, the charts that come out about uh, you know goals saved uh, above expectation, things like that, um, it kind of leads you to believe that we aren't quite there yet with the uh, with the metrics on goaltenders because the you know you know, you know I, I've heard these rumors that uh, that maybe we saw something that could be fixed with Holtby, but it leads me to believe maybe that you throw a good goaltender with a in with a good defense. They'll do great. If you have a really bad defense, even your best goaltender is going to look pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, the Yeah. It's, it's what's the, the running joke in, in stars fandom has been like, what must the difference be going from Vancouver and their system and the way that their defense worked to all of a sudden being in Dallas. And I mean, is, is there a, is there a better transition to make as a goaltender than that one? Right, I'd be really hard pressed to uh, to name a, a a happier situation for a professional goaltender than that particular move. Right, and you know, I've, I have a good friend who's a Blackhawk fan, and and he was telling me how great they were going to be this year. And and you know, one of the things, of course, he brought up was was bringing in Flurry. And I, I asked him, did Flurry look at it, that defensive core before he signed that contract? <laughs> I mean, that's just not going to work. I have it on authority that Seth Jones is amazing. <laughs> slander, sir. Slander. Yes. Yes. Well, he has an amazing contract. <laughs> well, we're not going to turn this into a um, a Blackhawks podcast, but it is it is fun to see what's going on in Chicago on the ice right now. I will uh, wanted to ask as well, get to, to Holtby's crease mates. What has your take been on Hudobin's start to the season? I, I want your, your input there. Uh, I... I... I, I like Dobie a lot. I did not ever find myself feeling comfortable yesterday um, in, in that game. Um, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So uh, small sample size. Uh, it, it, last year was pretty tough for him. Obviously, the playoff run was incredible. Um, but uh, I, I think I think if 
things stay the way they are, I'm going to be perfectly happy riding Holtby for 80% of the games. Yeah, it's, it's three games and, of course, three partial, although I, I was about to say three partial games, although his effort in relief in New York is, is among the best hockey he's played um, this season. Certainly, he's sitting at 889 save percentage, 268 goals against average. Um, yeah, it's it's been like I think you you said it really well looking at the game uh, against the Knights. I can't, you know, gun to my head. I, I can't tell you which of those goals was soft or, or, you know, anything like that. I, I certainly don't have any, nothing, nothing jumps out, but I think being uncomfortable is just a really good way, uh, a really good way to describe it. Yeah. Cause I mean, you certainly can't blame him for a, for a bank shot off of, uh, off of Lindell and Marcia. So was, uh, you know, that, that was just an incredible shot into an almost unstoppable position. And uh, the, the Donov shot, what do you, what do, you do? You, you, you have a one-on-one situation. They're going to score a decent number of times doing that. So, yeah, you can't blame him for any of the goals, but you know, he, he wasn't worked all that hard and we lost. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's sometimes the, the nature of goaltending. And I think we'll just have to see how that that's something at this stage much much like the dallas stars themselves there's no it it could be fine time will tell is a good yeah. way to to summarize it tell me a little bit about the rest of the rest anybody else anybody else jumping off the page at you seven games in well let let me there was one thing i didn't like yesterday and that was we we got foxa back paired with uh, with como and uh, if i remember right, well, that was with raffle right that's right. And it I I had I had a shuddering experience that this was the new FCC line and I thought we were getting away from it. And <laughs> I, I think it would be a humongous disservice to Foxa, especially the way he started this year, to uh, to to leave that as a line. Yeah, yeah. And Tell me this though. Let's let's look at the components. I test. Do you think Radic Fox is having a good season so far? Uh, I'd say he's having a okay season. It's certainly it's certainly a you know there there were naysayers about Fox who after last year said his game was done, and I think he's showed this year that that that's not the case, and I think he also demonstrated early on that. That if you give him a little bit of skill to play with, he can he can roll with it, mm-hmm. and so that's why I was somewhat encouraged early on to see that that's how he was being utilized. And I don't think you know Como is not a finisher, um, no. and you know certainly you know Raffle has two goals, but I don't know that he's the guy that you want to be considered the finisher on the line. Um, well, I'd be I mean, much if, if he's the finisher on the line, then you're talking about a fourth line. Right, or, or or a shutdown line, which is again why I'm shuddering. Now I, I would love to see, you know, with the lineups that we had yesterday, I'd love to see a, a swap of uh of Raffle and Kiviranta, just because I think Kiviranta adds a little bit of that uh, of that finishing and just being in the right spot. And I think part of Fox's game is that if if he there's a chance they're going to score he's going to be a little creative if he doesn't he's going to eat it in the corner and get in the cycle and just grind the time away 
Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think you just, if you leave, leave him with grinders, he's going to be a grinder. And I think he has more to offer than that. I think he does. I think they may, they may need him to. And he's really interesting to me because I thought that the first three games of the season, um, he played quite well, uh, especially like I think he was, or sorry, the first, really the first chunk of the, until, sorry, the better way to phrase this until they got to, um, until they got to Columbus, I thought he was having himself a fine season. And then he was on the ice for three goals against in Columbus. Nobody, nobody played well. So it's not like he was unique in that regard. And then he was on the ice for two of the goals against in Vegas. And, and I don't know that necessarily either one was directly attributable to his play, right? One of them Lindell kicked in again, not, not on purpose, but it's, he seems to be right on the cusp of, did he just pick a really good time to have, you know, a couple, you know, a couple games in a row with some points on the board, or is he healthy? And as you said, seeing a little bit more time with skill and might be a little bit more this season than he was last season. I think we're going to have to really wait and see on that one, but yeah, I, I can't decide if I, I, I came into this week stretch of games really interested to watch Radic Foxa because my perception was he was playing quite well. And then the, the latest run of games hit and all of a sudden I'm, I'm kind of wondering what I was actually seeing. Right. And, and it's like, oh, here we go again. And, and it, it, it probably hitting him a little bit that way because after last year he had to be fairly shell shot. Yeah. And, and, South Who South was it? Here it goes again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're you're talking a, <laughs> preaching to the choir on that fan one, a, Stars fan, uh, stars fan in a nutshell, right mm-hmm. there. It's like, oh no, not again. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, definitely. It's it's rough. It, it's it's been. We'll see. Like so much else, we'll see. That just seems to be the stock answer. Um, oh yeah, other, and, and you know. And, and, you know, we're, we're right on the verge here where, you know, I, I fully expect one of these next couple games, you know, we're going to just all of a sudden throw up seven or eight and, uh, and everything that went far out is going to go in and, uh, and people be happy and they'll quit, uh, they'll quit choking their sticks. And then maybe we'll get into the, into the, the meat part of the schedule and play Dallas stars hockey, which is, uh, I think hopefully uh, a bit like the first period against the Golden Knights. I mean, it's it's definitely that the first period, really the first period and a half until about 10 minutes left in the second period, the game against Vegas struck me not only because it was an amazing stretch of hockey, they were fantastic, but the, the other piece about it is it wasn't, it wasn't, Yes, Vegas had travel issues. Nobody's going to discount that. And yes, Vegas has injury issues. Nobody's going to discount that. But those weren't the sole and exclusive reasons that Dallas was was rampant, right? Nothing, you know, some, sometimes you have, you know, Michael Raffle scoring two goals or Radic Foxa with, with four points. You know, sometimes weird things happen and propel you to victory. Uh, a backup goaltender, how many times they stymie the stars. But this was one where, like, n- there was nothing fluky or nothing that, Nothing that happened during the good stretch of play against Vegas should be out of the realm of what is expected of this Stars team on a on a game in and game out basis, right? Nobody was playing out of their mind. In other words, the players were just the, the players were generally playing to their capabilities, and everything was clicking. So I think the the positive for me, right, is the first half of that game really represented what this team could be. Is, do you think that's fair? I think so. 
and then you know we get into perception and, and it's a funny one like i, I remember my <laughs> remember because i'm looking through it at the moment but my my twitter feed from that night turns into just this this nightmare progression of of anger and venting around you know around the team going into the turtle and i wanted to ask your take very quickly what is your what's kind of your view of the the finale of the the game against vegas like how did how do you see it wrapping up Oh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, being a Dallas Stars fan, there was always that that worry sitting in my gut uh, as it gets down to uh, to two or three minutes. Usually, my angst starts hitting about the eight or nine minute mark, <laughs> and at this time, I my angst didn't start hitting till about the three minute mark. So that that tells me that I didn't think we were turtling too bad, um, but. You know, Marsha's so shocked. I mean, that that's just such a small spot that he hit. He's a and good player. So hat, yeah, hats off to him. That you know, I I can't really say that uh, that they didn't deserve that. Um, you know, I, I think we're just playing tight, and that hit us at the end. And maybe we are thinking more than just reacting. And yeah. They needed so, that second goal. They need, sorry, it, they needed that third goal. Yeah, and and even you know, it's a, of of anybody, you know, Glenn Dennings had a great start to the year, better than anybody that uh, could have thought coming in. Um, but why was it Glenn Denning coming down the slot with a, under a minute left to take that feed? <laughs> because because Blake Como is still working his way back from injury, and and Bonus wanted to have him fresh for the first shift of overtime. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right, I, I, th- I there mean, is nothing like, more. It, that's what this because that's what this team does. They they yeah. would rather they would rather have Glendinning out there in that situation and and hope that nothing bad happens than put a player a, a different player like you know a, a Dennis Guriano type on the ice in that situation and hope that something good happens. That is the mentality of this organization. It's let's make sure nothing bad happens. It's not, let's make something good happen. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, Matthias Yanmark would have put it on the ice, but it would have been at least a little off center and gone in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is one of those sliding door moments, right? Where you, you have to wonder is if, if there is a different player on the ice, a more offensive player, do you get, a goal, right? And then the flip side of that is, and I'm sure the the counter argument you'd hear from the, you know, coaching staff that put Glendening out there in the first place is, okay, well, if you've got that offensive player out there, do you get the chance in the first place? Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, it, and it works out, but you know, it's uh, when when I looked up and saw saw who it was, and it's like, oh, that you know, we yep. we we played a little, uh, we played a little logo shot right there, and there was more open net than there was body to hit. Oh yeah, it was. I I thought I had turned away for brief. I, I turned away long enough to not realize it was Glenn Denning and had started to celebrate. And and again, yeah. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. You're you know you see you see that play in front of you, and you know my wife kind of knows that I'm gonna be jumping up and down and and making all sorts of noise, and you kind of anticipate what goals are gonna happen, and then you have to back it down when it didn't. Yep. And, and, and let me tell I you, was I was celebrating that one. <laughs> I, a lot of people were. Let me and let me break this down because I think this is a, the, the the game against Vegas, I think, was a very interesting challenge of perceptions, because I, I, I do think I, I, I still 
will will claim and and do think that it is it it is letting the team off the hook to hand wave Vegas and say they played their best game of the season. They needed a couple of different bounces. Everything will be all right. I think that it is a little bit disingenuous given this team's history to look at that performance and entirely dismiss it. At the same time, I, you know, we talked. Yeah, sorry, don't mean to cut you off. Oh no, it's I. I Early this afternoon, Greg Greg couldn't uh, do his do the preview for uh, the Ottawa game, so I, I wrote my preview this afternoon, and that's one of the uh, general topics I hit was, you know, if, if if this wasn't Game Seven, if this was the middle of the pack, we'd we'd you know Game Four, we'd be sitting there shaking our heads and saying, well, we got bit on that one, um, and and wouldn't be that big a deal the fact of the matter is that we've had six games that have put us in a bad mood and this was game seven and it should have worked better and we deserve to win the game and so now all the bad things are going to happen to us and and this is something we are i agree and this is where i was getting with that though because this stunned me so there's I'm, i'm going to give you two stats tell me which one of these stats is true as you as you recall the game against Vegas, right? So the first stat is Dallas had twice as many quality scoring chances as Las Vegas during the third period of that game. And then the second stat is Dallas did not register a shot on goal for the last you know ten and a half minutes of the second period. Well, it's it, it's close because if I remember right, the the scoring chances were like fifteen nine Dallas in the. Third, but the so the true one is that we didn't register a shot for the last ten minutes. Of the Actually, I, I it was a trick question because the and this is going by. I don't I, I don't think these are Owens metrics. This is something Taylor was was looking at earlier today. It was twelve to six um, okay. in the third period uh, in favor of Dallas, and then yeah, it was like ten thirty two or something in between shots. So the only reason I bring up the fact that they were both true is we've talked a lot about perception, and I love that you mentioned if this was game thirty six instead of game seven right? Would we think differently about it? And the answer to that is, I don't know, tell me what happened in game 35, 34, 33, right? In, in the same way that we have a we have a much worse taste in our mouth, even though the performance was largely good, because for a large portion of that game, half of a period, Dallas didn't generate anything at all. And this is where, you know, the past is, is precedent, right? They, they had a fantastic open to the game against the Rangers, and and then got caved in. They had a poor open in the game against Boston, came back almost won it, right? Same thing, and they were listless for large sections against Ottawa, came back and almost won it, right? Really, the only game in which they had a consistent performance throughout was Columbus, and they were garbage. So this is where, like I said, it's, it's in a vacuum. I think that it is totally fair to look at the Vegas game and say there is far more good than bad. Everything is fine. Robertson is back. We're going to we're due for a big one. Right. You know, look out, look out Friday night, bring a hat to the rink, um, you know, get all get all your stuff ready to go. But the it is that while that is an understandable mentality, it is also very, very fair to look at this team and say, where have they earned the benefit of the doubt that they're suddenly going to figure it out and not have a wretched stretch in an otherwise great game that ultimately cost them a point or two. Right. And, and the only answer to that is uh, in the bubble. Yep. And, and that's, that, that, that can only take you so far. Yeah. They got one, they got one fantastic playoff run where everything kind of clicked and 
since then yeah. and before then, it's been much more of a challenge. I, I will say to me, though, the, the big difference is this team is deeper. And I, I am more optimistic now than I would have been last season because this team, it it really took a pretty stunning collapse across the entire forward core across the first seven games to be where they are. And I, I don't feel that, you know, I'm not saying we're going to look at the league leaderboard and all of a sudden Pavelski and Ben and say, you know, Ben isn't winning a second Art Ross trophy or anything, but there will be more leveling out of production across that group. I mean, how many, how many goals could Hens have this season? Right. He, he absolutely clobbered the bar. You yep. know, Gurionov and, and, is passing up looks. <laughs> yeah, and, and and he's one of the ones who probably is passing up less than some. Um, you know, the but but the ones that he is passing up are fairly egregious. And and you know, we aren't even when we connect on passes, we aren't finishing. Yeah. You know, take take a look at it with the, the I'll, I'll go Suter. Suter made a great pass uh, along the ice to to Raffle. Um, and, and Raffle got, he had his stick down, it was firm and he just put it wide. I mean, these are, these are pretty standard good plays and we've been making them, but nothing's going in the net. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, uh, the New York, I think it was the New York game. Pavelski had (laughs) the puck in the crease with an empty net and and somehow managed to shoot high, which is a phenomenal accomplishment if it hadn't been unfortunate. (laughs) We should be favoring that because usually we can only keep it on the ice. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. So it's it's just a mixed bag, man. I, the one thing I'll say, and, and we'll I want to I want to end on on an upper. So uh, the the one thing I'll say that isn't a mixed bag is I don't even have a comment at this stage. I just I just kind of want to say Miro Haskinen and Basque oh, for a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and isn't that the weird thing? Because this is the first time we've mentioned Miro in this in this cast and. He's just been incredible, and and you kind of just expect it. The the backtracking, I think it was. Um, I think Saad had had the the clip on YouTube. So if you or not YouTube, G Wiz, uh, he he posted the clip on Twitter. So if you don't if you don't follow Saad, do and track down the highlight. I think he tra- was it March or so. He or sorry, it was Riley Smith, I believe. He tracked down and Miro starts off behind the Vegas net, and it's a two on one Vegas heading the other direction, and. Miro doesn't get back and, you know, block a shot. Miro just gets back and steals the puck. And it just shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're right. I'll I'll give you a little insight on that just because I, because of where I live, I I had the the Vegas feed. Um, That was the end of like a, a, like a one and a half, two minute shift. And, and so there was some serious wind sucking going on that, that, with the forward that they, you know, they mentioned it as he was going up the ice. It's like, he really should be going off and dumping. Uh, you know, he's been on the ice for a minute, 40 seconds. And then here comes Miro and just, just absolutely strips him clean. I mean, he's just, he's incredible. He's, he's having, he, he is having the season that, you know, when, when we were all watching Dallas last season and amidst their many struggles and, you know, Miro was fine. Miro was very good last season. This isn't a Miro was bad conversation. There'll there'll be no talk of that here. Thank you very much. But he is, he has started this season having the season that everybody was expecting and wanting 
right? Yep. The fans were talking about, oh, if if Miro can do this, if Miro can be more assertive, if Miro can produce, insert a thing that fans wanted to see out of Miro Heiskanen this season, and he's doing that thing very well, probably better than we all hoped he would. He's just been yep. there. There it is. It, the the Vegas goal that came off of his turnover was noteworthy because of how amazing you know, it's it's he's reached that stage where he makes a mistake and it's like the the earth stopped for a split second. It's like wait what? He does, he's human. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, that that's something that we you know we we have our our pet people who do things like that and Miro is not one. No, no, but he and, and I think to your point, like it's almost it's bizarrely under the radar how he has started the season. I mean, he's that's this is what a a franchise, you know, number one Norris level like there there's no this is what that looks like. And it's not as flashy yeah. as a guy, you know, he's not going to be one of those offensive guys that that puts up an 80 point season and, and gets his accolades that way. He'll if he keeps scoring at this clip, it'll be perfectly respectable. But the thing about Miro is he does every single thing at an elite level all the time. And it's almost yep. numbing to watch because there's just no, there's no contrast. He doesn't have a bad shift and a good one. He's just, he's just always Miro. Yep. Well, I, that, that's a, that's a nice way to, uh, to end. I will, I will pose one question if I can at the very end here though. Please. And that is, is is Esselin Dell having a good year too? I mean, he's playing I mean, with Miro Heiskanen is my answer to that question. So it's, he he's got to be having a lot of fun. But there, there have been multiple times this year where I've seen what I consider to be a fairly fabulous defensive play. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's Lindell. And, and I don't remember seeing that in previous years. And so my, is, is Lindell just kind of sneaky doing great and we aren't noticing i mean it's and i i, I admit freely i i didn't prep for this Nobody question so I, I don't have Nobody his watches. yeah i don't have any of his numbers up in front of me so I'm, I'm not speaking from a point where i know about his um you know kind of his underlines but i i think he is honestly i think he has settled into he, i think he needs to, he's doing less i i think it's the you know part of it is the byproduct i, I it's you know Part of it is the byproduct of playing with Miro. I think part of it is the fact that this Stars team is deeper. Suter is there now. Klingberg is, is healthy at least the last couple of games. I think that he is flourishing. And, and this is always one of those things that people say that sounds like an insult. But in the context of sports, I don't believe it is because sports is so very role-driven. But I think that there has been an additional layer of clarity to what is expected of Asa Lindell on the ice this season. And I think that it has allowed him to really focus on the things that are are his strengths versus it was trickier last year because the forward group was in in flux, right? There was no the a lot of the high end was off of that roster. So a lot more was asked of the defense in general last year. Whereas this season, that hasn't been the case yet. And I think he's really flourished because he's got his role. Hey, you know, here's here's yeah. here's what you need to go do. Go do it. And he is. And so I think he my impression has been the same and that he has absolutely executed well. And he's been a big part of, of the good for the Dallas Stars thus far. And props to him. Yeah, it's a, I, I need to take a game and just kind of watch because I've been 
the gap control is there. <laughs> I, the stick work is there. And, and you know, we've, we've, we've kind of bagged on, on Lindell uh, mainly for his contract, but, but perhaps uh, for, for some skill level as well. And it, you know, I, I've been noticing different. And yep. I need to look at it. I need to look at it with a with a more of a fine tooth comb to see if that's just the, you know, I'm, I'm catching things that uh, that aren't reflecting the whole. But so uh, that's why I think. Do you think that he will, you know, because for many years he's been the 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 successor to the whole, uh, you know, Stefan Robida, Trevor da- Trevor Daly, Esselindel torch pass of the defenseman upon which Stars fans fixate all of their negative energy. Do you think he finally wriggles out of that spot? And and if so, who wriggles yeah, into it? That's so hard to do. Yeah, who wriggles, who wriggles in? Well, I, I, who knows? I I I think the only person who could wriggle into it is Suter, and I'd hate to I'd hate to wish that on him. Yeah, he just got here. Let's give him a let's yeah. Give him half a minute. Give, I think. Well, exactly. if anything, I think sadly it would move to one of the forwards, and there's a couple of candidates, but that's that's a podcast for a different time. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll then we'll close on this uh i i think you're right with linda we'll close on this they, they get the rematch against ottawa um tomorrow night what's what's going to happen uh well we get a little uh we get a little chuck that we didn't see before uh we're we're missing a pinto down the middle uh i think our centers blow them out of the water um we we win 70 percent of the faceoffs, and we score four goals at least I, you know, I, I, I'm going to put my heart out there and I'm going to, I'm going to ask for some pain and then hope that they don't visit it upon me. But I think, I think that you're right. I think that the first half of the Vegas game was a, a sign of things to come and not an aberration. And I think that they're going to put, if they put a similar effort, if they start against Ottawa, the way they started against Vegas, then it will be a, a raucous and thrilling Friday evening. And I think that that's what we're going to get. I just, I, again, I don't think, I don't think the first period and a half against Vegas was a mirage. I think they were better now that I've had a chance to, to detox and look at it. I think they were better than we thought in the third. And while yes, it was a, a gut punch loss and, and they should definitely try and, and, you know, there's plenty negative to take away from that game, from the the coaches to the leadership group and on down. They, they shouldn't have let that one slip away, and they did. More good than bad. I think Ottawa is Ottawa is the unfortunate recipient of the you know the bounce back. Yep, I I agree. And since you detoxed, I'm going to go uh, do some retox and <laughs> watch some Texas Stars. I love it. Well, good good on you there, uh, and thank you for joining us. Please remember, download, like, do all of the things. Um, feel free to throw comments at us on the socials. Track us down. Um, we, we, we're, we're lively conversationalists. And then thanks for joining us. Thanks.